0: Today's episode is brought to you by our amazing friends at Picmonic. On their behalf, I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Medspiration, where we discuss medical science and evidence-based tools for daily life. I'm your host, Nav Badesha, board-certified family medicine physician. And this is episode number 26 with Dr. Daniel Amen.
1: So after 22 years and 83,000 scans, the single most important lesson my colleagues and I have learned is that you can literally change people's brains. And when you do, you change their life. You are not stuck with the brain you have. You can make it better, and we can prove it.
0: Our guest today is Dr. Daniel Amen. He's a psychiatrist who's been in practice for more than 30 years, a 12 times New York Times bestselling author, and he's also known to have built the world's largest database of brain scans. That's over 200,000 scans related to emotional, learning, and behavioral problems. In today's episode, we're going to be dissecting the greatest lessons Daniel has learned. Our conversation can be broken down into 17 separate topics for which timestamps are provided below. These include Daniel's biography, the major risk factors that can steal brain health, how to slow the aging process of the brain, how different drugs like cannabis and psychedelics can affect the brain, Traumatic brain injuries, and what Daniel has learned after conducting the largest brain imaging study in the NFL, how couples can improve brain health, what brain scans can teach us about felons and mass murderers, how meditation affects the brain, and reframing automatic negative thoughts. I'm so excited to get your feedback on this one, fam. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Make sure you tell every single person that you know and love about this show because it would mean the world to our team and it would help us Medspire more individuals like yourself. And a special thank you to our sponsor today, Picmonic. I personally use Picmonic in my studies for step one directly off of my iPhone. Their learning system powers thousands of mnemonic videos and quizzes that have been scientifically proven to increase long-term memory retention by up to 331%. Picmonic has partnered with Medspiration to help make learning and memorizing easier than ever. So I know the CEO personally and we got you a pretty sweet deal here. You can check them out for free, if you sign up you'll get instant access to a free video and quiz every day, no credit card required. You can use the promo code Medspiration for 20% off any premium subscription. I would really recommend checking them out and trying out their resources, I promise you won't be disappointed. We'll have a link provided to you in the description below. And now, without further ado, let the Medspiration begin. Dr. Daniel Amen, welcome to the Medspiration podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, today we're joined by one of our greatest Medspirations when it comes to brain health. I know how much you guys love neuroscience and boy are you in for a treat today. So without further ado, can you please introduce yourself to our audience?
1: Well, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to help me spread the message about brain health and mental health. I'm a psychiatrist. I was actually an infantry medic. That's where my love of medicine was born. And then I realized I didn't like being shot at. So I got retrained as an x-ray technician and developed a passion for medical imaging. And then when I was a second year medical student uh, my wife tried to kill herself, and I took her to see a wonderful psychiatrist. And came to realize if he helped her, it just wouldn't it wouldn't just help her. Yeah. That it would help me. It would help our children, our grandchildren. And I fell in love with psychiatry because I realized it has the potential to change generations of people. But I joined the only medical specialty that virtually never looks at the organ. It treats. And being an x-ray technician and loving imaging, I'm like, well, why don't psychiatrists look? Obviously, these are brain issues. Yeah. And about 30 years ago, I started using a study called Brain SPECT Imaging. SPECT is a nuclear medicine study. It looks at blood flow and activity. It looks at how your brain works. And at the time, in the early 90s, a lot of people were using it but it didn't correlate with our diagnostic Bible, the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. And so most psychiatrists then threw out imaging when in fact they should have thrown out the diagnostic Bible because giving someone the diagnosis of depression is exactly like giving them the diagnosis of chest pain. And I've been You know, my dad sort of thought I was a pain in the butt when I was a teenager. And I've sort of been that way with my profession. I'm like, come on, we can do better. Let's act like real doctors and image our patients. And then let's go about getting their brain healthy. And, you know, there's been a lot of controversy around my work, except with my patients. We now have 183. Thousand scans on patients from 150 countries, and the lessons, they just keep on coming. Like I have 50 COVID-19 scans, and it tends to activate the limbic or the emotional brain, making you at a higher risk for anxiety and depression. Um, head trauma is a major cause of psychiatric problems that nobody knows about because they go see psychiatrists or psychologists because they're anxious and depressed and they end up on medication that's not appropriate for their particular diagnosis. So uh, I'm also an author and I've written 15 national public television specials and um I do lots of things but basically I love being a doctor I love being a psychiatrist and I love talking to you That's awesome man that that is so cool So where did you do your residency training At the Walter Reed Army Medical Center in Washington oh, DC So I went to medical school at Oral Roberts University learning medicine in the context of my faith. That was pretty cool. Cool. And um, because I was prior service, I was an infantry medic in the army. um, I just felt like I was with my people when Mm. I did training at the Walter Reed Army Medical Center. And then I did a child psychiatry fellowship in Hawaii, a combined program with Tripler Army Medical Center and the University of Hawaii. Um, dearly loved Hawaii. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And, and then I was a chief psychiatrist at Fort Irwin, which is in the middle of the Mojave Desert. Uh, it's really in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and um I was the only psychiatrist for 10,000 people that's where they trained soldiers to fight the Russians in the desert and it was an isolated place but i loved it um you know cuz there i could really it was my first real job out of training and and i was the boss so i could do anything i wanted and one of the things i wanted to do was imaging
0: Oh, that's so cool. One of the places I want to start just for our audience, just to lay the groundwork in how you approach brain health is the 11 causes of brain injury, uh, your mnemonic bright minds. Could you delve a little deeper into
1: that? Well, you know, I've, when I looked at my own brain in 1991, and it wasn't really that healthy, I developed a concept I call brain envy. Yeah because I had scanned my mom the month before and her brain was beautiful and mine wasn't because I played football in high school and I had bad habits. Um, I wanted a better brain. Freud was wrong. Penis envy is not the cause of anybody's problem. I've been a psychiatrist 40 years. I've not seen it once. That's not the issue. The issue you wanna take care of, you wanna have envy for is your brain. Mm -hmm. And then I horrified myself where I could really summarize my life's work in three words. Care, brain envy. Stop doing things that hurt your brain. Know the list. Do things that help your brain. And I came to realize if you want to keep your brain healthy or rescue it, if it's headed for the dark place, mm-hmm. you have to prevent or treat the eleven major risk factors that steal your mind.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we know what they are, and the research is really clear. I wrote about them in my book, The End of Mental Illness, that has a thousand eighty-four references. Because you know, whenever you're trying to trailblaze something new, you better back it up with science. Oh, yeah. And there's so much science behind this mnemonic. So we call it Bright Minds because it has, you know, two meanings. You know, we're gonna brighten up your mind and you're gonna be smarter. And the B in Bright Minds is for blood flow. Low blood flow is the number one brain imaging predictor of Alzheimer's disease. It's also associated with depression and ADHD, schizophrenia relapse in substance abuse. And so you want, and and so with all of these risk factors is well, how do you know if you have it mm-hmm. and what do you do about it? So SPEC scans, it's a blood flow study, will tell you if you have low blood flow, but if you have hypertension, likely you have low blood flow. Mm-hmm. If you're not exercising, likely you have low blood flow. If you're eating a processed food diet, likely you have less blood flow. If you're drinking alcohol, smoking marijuana, doing much caffeine or nicotine, lower blood flow. Mm -hmm. And so what do you do? Well, you get rid of the things that trouble it and then exercise. And there's foods that increase blood flow like beets and cayenne pepper. Certain supplements I like, especially Ginkgo, um, help boost blood flow. So none of this is hard. Yeah. It's like know the risk and prevent it mm-hmm. and get after it. The R is retirement and aging. When you stop learning, your brain starts dying. New learning should be part of all, all of our lives every day. Oh, yeah. And what are the things that accelerate aging? And you know, the research on telomeres. And when I was 63, I had mine tested and I had the telomere age of 43. I was pretty happy about that. But I do the things that I recommend because authenticity is one of my core values. And, you know, if you have high ferritin, which is a measure of iron storage, um, it prematurely ages your brain. Now, you don't want low ferritin because you're going to be anxious and you won't be able to sleep and you might be anemic. So, having healthy ferritin levels. And so, because a Middle Eastern, um, my grandparents came from what is now Lebanon. Um, a lot of people in my family have high ferritin levels. So, twice a year I go donate blood. And it was funny, I was in the spice market in Istanbul a couple of years ago and they were actually selling leeches. And um, I looked to my wife, who's a neurosurgical ICU nurse, and I'm like, why are they selling leeches? And she said, well, some people believe if you bleed yourself, um, that's actually healthy, which is true for people who have high iron storage in their body, pretty interesting. Yeah. I is inflammation, a major cause of pain, of dementia, and depression. And um, it comes from processed food diets, comes from an unhealthy gut, it comes from unhealthy gums. How interesting is that as a psychiatrist? I tell people all the time, go to the dentist, floss. Floss. Because if you have periodontal disease, guess what? You have heart disease. Yeah. And you're also are going to have brain disease because. because it's causing system, uh, systemic inflammation. Um, if you have low omega-3 fatty acids, and I did a study of 50 consecutive patients to Amen Clinics, 49 of them had suboptimal levels of omega-3 fatty acids. So I think all of us should be taking... Um, Fish oil or Mm -hmm. a healthy omega 3 supplement. Um, The G is genetics, uh, but people don't get genetics right. I don't think they think about it properly. It's like, oh, I have Alzheimer's disease in my family. I'm condemned. It's like, well, you're at higher risk, but shouldn't you then work to prevent it as soon as you know the risk? Mm -hmm. And so, Um, you know, I say genes aren't a death sentence. What they should be is a wake up call. My grandfather, um, had heart disease and so I have heart disease on one side, obesity on the other side, but I don't have heart disease and I'm not obese. Why? Because I know I'm at risk for them. And every day I engage in practices Mm -hmm. to avoid them. H is head trauma if you said hey daniel what's the single most important thing you've learned from 183,000 scans mild traumatic brain injury ruins people's lives and nobody knows about it because they don't we don't image the brain when people are depressed we don't image the brain when people are angry we you know i think anybody who goes to jail somebody should look at their brain anybody who's arrested for domestic violence somebody should look at their brain. Mm -hmm. Um, Tea is toxins, and we could just go on and on about toxins, whether it's alcohol. My best blog last year was titled, I Told You So. And I start the blog with when I was dating my wife, so not the one in medical school, but the next one. Um, When I was dating Tana, she told me I'll never tell you I told you so. And she lied. It's her favorite thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> and when I first started imaging in 1991, my clinic was in Northern California, right next to the Napa Valley. Oh, cool! And yeah. I saw the more you drank, the sleepier your brain. That in fact, any alcohol had a toxic effect. On brain function. So I've been saying for 30 years, alcohol is not a health food, which for a very long time, that was not popular, right? People oh, have to have a glass or two of red wine a day, it's good for my heart. Well, the American Cancer Society came out last year and said, any alcohol yeah, they did. is a risk factor for seven different kinds of cancer. And so, hence the title, I told you so, for the (laughs) blood. But it's not just alcohol. It's marijuana. I mean, we're in this crazy time in our society. And I'm a fan. Please legalize it. Don't put people who are smoking pot in jail. That's just stupid. It's a bad use of resource. But let's not say it's innocuous, because it's clearly not innocuous. And I published a study on a 1,000... Marijuana users, virtually every area of their brain was lower compared to healthy scans. Um, but it's not, you know, other drugs, cocaine, um, but it's also toxic products mm-hmm. that you put on your body. I don't know if you saw the recent study, just horrified me that boys who had increased toxic load of environmental toxins in their body actually had lower testosterone levels and smaller genitals. And I'm like, no, no, (laughs) don't say that. That's so cruel because people just didn't know. So I have all of my patients download this app called Think Dirty, Mm -hmm. which is not what you think it is. It allows you to scan your personal products and it'll tell you on a scale of one to 10 how quickly they're killing you. and so we're always teaching people to support the four organs of detoxification. Kidneys, drink more water. Gut, eat more fiber. Alcohol, um, liver, kill the alcohol. And eat brassicas, which are detoxifying vegetables. Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, kale, broccoli, cabbage. Um, and skin, sweat. Yeah, skin. This exercise but also saunas. There's actually a study in JAMA psychiatry that one sauna has been found to have antidepressant effects. I believe that. The M is mental health. I teach people kill the ants, the automatic negative thoughts that steal their happiness. In the book you held up, your brain is always listening. I talk about the dragons from the past the breathe fire on your emotional brain. I actually have a dragon here. Oh, that's and awesome. On average, there's um, there's online people can actually test for their dragons. Which of the thirteen dragons do you have? Uh, on average, people have six. Whether it's the anxious dragon or the hopeless and helpless dragon or the pandemic-spawned the grief and loss yeah. dragon and the death dragon. My favorite dragon is the ancestral dragon, where the issues you have are not yours, that they're from a different generation that got written into your genetic code. So sometimes you may be struggling with something that you actually don't have to own. So I have all of my patients do pretty detailed family trees to understand where their symptoms might come from. So killing the ants, the automatic negative thoughts, taming the dragons. And I've been thinking a lot about this lately. You know, if somebody wants to be physically healthy, they can't just do it once. Yeah, They, yeah. they really need to develop rituals and lifestyle habits.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The exact same thing is true for mental habits. I mean, like you cannot be 50 pounds overweight on Monday, have a salad and expect to be trim on Friday, right? I mean, that's just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Likewise, if you struggle with anxiety or depression, you need training on how to shift your focus. I do something, talk about this in the book called positivity bias training, where every day I start. Every day with today is going to be a great day. And that way my unconscious mind finds what I'm excited about. Yeah. When I go to bed at night, what went well today? I put myself to sleep every night. I say a prayer and then I go, What went well today? And I start to the beginning of the day, and usually I don't get past noon, but I'm just looking for the little tiny moments that made me happy that day. And you know, like you, I'm really busy and I'll have something really cool happen and and then I won't think about it. So bedtime yeah, really becomes a celebration of many of the things I forgot that day because I was just so busy and flew past them. And that those two simple practices helped me And then whenever I feel sad or mad or nervous or out of control, I write down what I'm thinking. In the new book, there's a whole section on how to kill the ants, the automatic negative thoughts. You don't have to believe every stupid thing you think. And can you imagine, I didn't know that until I was 28 years old. Yeah. I was a psychiatric resident. And I'm sitting in a CBT class And I'm like, oh my goodness, the thoughts I have are not real, they're not me, and I don't have to attach to them. Yeah, It's not the thoughts you have that cause you to suffer. It's the thoughts you attach to that cause you to suffer. And so I often tell my patients to give their mind a name. Just to separate, it's based on a concept called psychological distancing. And when I first learned about it from my friend Stephen Hayes, I'm like, so what name would I give my mind? And it was super clear to me that it would be Hermie. Hermie was my pet raccoon when I was 16. And she was a shit I loved her, she's cute as can be, but she got me into all sorts of trouble. Trouble with my mother, with my sister, With my girlfriend, she met my girlfriend and took a crap on her for the. I was like, and but this like my mind, it just like stirs up trouble. So I imagine, you know, it's like Hermie holds up his sign, "You're a failure," and I'm like, after all the things you've done, you still have those crazy thoughts. So what I do is I metaphorically put her on her back and tickle her whenever she's bothering me. and anyways, um, the second eye in Bright Minds is immunity and infections. We're in a pandemic. You think this might be important? Plus Lyme disease, Chicago, um, or in Illinois, it's a big deal in mm-hmm. Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a map of the highest incidence of schizophrenia in the US, Northeast, North Midwest, including Illinois and the West Coast. If you overlay the highest incidence of Lyme disease, they're identical. Really? Yeah, it'll blow you away. And it comes from schizophrenia bulletin. And does it mean Lyme causes all the cases of schizophrenia? Of course not. But could it cause 5% of the cases? I think so. And shouldn't everybody with schizophrenia actually be screened? Did you get bitten by a deer tick? Um, Have you had an infectious illness? There's one study that showed doxycycline significantly decreased the symptoms of schizophrenia in one study. So I think, I, I just, I know, In 30 years, infectious disease psychiatry is going to be a subspecialty. It's just, it's one of the shocking things that I've learned from the brain imaging work that we do. Um, The N is neurohormone um, abnormalities, your thyroids. I mean, we know this, right? If your thyroid's high, you can be anxious. If it's low, you can be depressed. Um, But testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, DHEA, Insulin, they're all critical mm-hmm. for brain health. Mm-hmm. So, and it's not just get them normal, we want them optimal. D is diabetes. You know, this is a serious national crisis. 72% of Americans are overweight, 42% are obese. My paper I published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease um, earlier this year um just got nominated for an award um looked at thirty-five thousand scans and it was just very clear as my third study on this as your weight goes up the blood flow to your brain in every area goes down now that should just scare the fat off anyone that of the 11 major risk factors if you're overweight you automatically have five of them, because being overweight decreases blood flow, Um, fat increases inflammation that produces something called inflammatory cytokines, it stores toxins, it changes healthy testosterone to unhealthy cancer promoting forms of estrogen, estrone and you're overweight. So one equals five, which means we have to do a much better job of getting people healthy. And this is where diet is just so critical Mm -hmm. to brain health. Your brain is 2% of your body's weight, but uses 20 to 30% of the calories you consume. And the weapons of mass destruction ISIS has nothing on our food industry. Oh, I know, the, right? The weapons of mass destruction are highly processed, pesticide sprayed, high glycemic, low fiber, food-like substances stored in plastic containers. Um, so getting our diet right is key. And then S is sleep, which is just critical. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so let's let's repeat that. So Bright Minds, this is kind of the 11 causes of brain injury. So B is blood flow, R is retirement aging, I is inflammation, G is genetics, H was head trauma, and then T was toxins. Uh, what was the M again? It was-
1: Mental health.
0: Mental health, okay. And then I is immunity and infections, neurohormones, diabetes, and sleep disturbance.
1: As a family doctor, how much are you seeing these things?
0: All of these things. I mean, honestly, this is a, it's, it's a great holistic approach, actually, if you think about it from a mind, body, spirit perspective. I mean, that's thats hitting it all. Now, how much of, of SPECT imaging um, is able to correlate with this?
1: Well, SPECT is a blood flow study, so it'll see see mm-hmm. blood flow immediately. I was on Dr. Phil this week on cool. Wednesday, with um, actually, I was on twice this week, once with Trump psychosis. That was interesting. Uh, and we thought the woman perhaps had early dementia. The second one was with this very pretty actress, Annalyn McCord from 90210, who came out. Uh, she and I did uh, a video series together that she has multiple personality disorder or dissociative identity disorder, but Mm -hmm. she had really low blood flow to her frontal lobes on her scan. Retirement and aging, if I scanned you, I could tell, is your brain your age? Is it younger than your age? That's our hope. Or is it older than your age? Which, when I first scanned myself at 37, my brain was older than I was. But at 62, my brain is younger than I was because I fell in love with my brain. Um, Inflammation, we often see acute inflammation with increased activity. Chronic inflammation will be low activity. Okay. Um, Genetics, we don't really see, um, and I'm a huge fan of genetic testing. Head trauma is the best study for head trauma, toxins. That's why I learned about toxins. I'm like, why does your brain look so awful? Mm-hmm. Um, I was the director of a dual diagnosis unit, a psychiatric hospital unit that takes care of substance abusers. When I started doing imaging, their scans were so awful. Oh. Um, I mean, that's the real reason not to use drugs because they damage your brain. And if they damage your brain, they damage your life. Um, mental health, what we realize is the DSM is inadequate. That giving someone the diagnosis of depression is just like giving them the diagnosis of chest pain. Mm -hmm. And nobody gets it. You don't diagnose people with chest pain, right? Because it doesn't tell you what's causing it. And it doesn't tell you what to do. But depression, you know, psychiatrists go, you're depressed, take Lexapro which is ridiculous because you don't know, is their brain working too hard or not hard enough? Have they had a head injury? Is it toxic? You don't know. And if their brain is sleepy and you give them an SSRI, well, SSRIs are inhibitory. They calm down activity in the brain. My wife, she was going through thyroid cancer treatment, got depressed, the doctor gave her Prozac which disinhibited her. And she ended up making decisions that no way her normal self would make. She ended up on a plane to Costa Rica on a dare with somebody she barely knew. Um, The medications we have, they have consequences. Yeah. Sometimes good consequences, sometimes not. And is that the patient's fault? Or is it the psychiatrist's fault or the family doctor's fault because they were throwing darts in the dark mm-hmm. at their mm-hmm. patients? Um, so imaging, so helpful. For our immunity and infections, we clearly see the impact of Lyme, of COVID-19, of herpes, um, Epstein-Barr, CMV, yeah. toxoplasmosis. Um, Neurohormones, when your hormones are deficient, your brain tends to be older than you are. Diabetes. I talked about as your weight goes up, the function of your brain goes down. And sleep apnea is really interesting oh, yeah. because it actually looks like early Alzheimer's disease on SPECT. And there are a number of published studies on sleep apnea and SPECT. Um, and SPECT is a wonderful study to look for dementia because your scan will change decades before so you clear, have yeah. any, before you have any symptoms. And you know, some people go, Well, I wouldn't want to know, which is so stupid. If you knew a train was going to hit you. Wouldn't you at least want to try to get out of the way? And I have a great case um, study in my book, The End of Mental Illness, of Lisa Gibbons, who's a well-known media personality, whose mother and grandmother died with Alzheimer's disease. And I was on her television show 21 years ago, loved her. And I'm like, you need to come see me. And she put it off uh, for about a decade and then went through a divorce and got depressed and came to see me. And her brain at 51 was headed to Alzheimer's. I could already tell. And But she did everything I asked her to do. Um, and 11 years later, her brain's fuller, fatter, healthier. Wow. Uh, you're not stuck yeah. with the brain you have. And if you're blessed to live to 85 or beyond, you have a one in two chance of being diagnosed with dementia. I hate that. Mm-hmm. So if you live to 85 or beyond, you have a 50% chance of having lost your mind. I'm not okay with that, and that means all my life I need to be on a prevention program, but why do we screen your breasts? Why do we screen your cervix? Why do we screen your colon and your heart, but not your brain?
0: Okay.
1: I mean, all of those things are important. Yeah. But they ain't nearly as important as the organ that makes you you. That's
0: beautiful. Is it true that we can accelerate or decelerate the aging process of the brain? And if you have seen that, how quickly have you seen things reversed generally?
1: So yes, absolutely true. Every day you're making your brain younger or you're making it older. One of my favorite parts of the brain is the hippocampus. Uh, hippocampus is Greek for seahorse because it's a seahorse shaped structure. And the hippocampus produces about 700 new stem cells every day. And um, so think of it as 700 new baby seahorses every day. Miley Cyrus came out last year that she's been one of my patients for 10 years. And I love her. And she was smoking a lot of pot. Everybody knows that. (laughs) And one day I, I got the analogy in my head because I knew she was an animal lover. I'm like, you know, you're murdering all of those baby seahorses.
0: Oh, uh, no. Uh,
1: and I just published my study on SPECT and marijuana. Hippocampus was one of the areas that was affected. And she's like, Dr. Amen, that's so unfair. You know I'm an animal lover. But she ultimately stopped. And her brain became healthier. I also did the big NFL study at a time when the NFL was not telling the truth about traumatic brain injury in football. I mean, most thoughtful nine-year-olds would go brain is soft about the consistency of soft butter tofu, custard, somewhere between egg whites and jello. And the brain is real, In the skull is really hard. And if you look inside the skull, it's not smooth. It has sharp bony ridges. Take two people that are big and fast and have them collide, right? Head to head, head to shoulder, head to knee, head to ground over and over and over again right? This is not rocket science. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have scanned and treated 300 NFL players and cool players like Terry Bradshaw and Freddie Dreyer and Rosie Greer. And, um, I mean, really wonderful people. 80% of our players get better when we put them on a rehabilitation program, multiple vitamin, brain boost, high dose, high quality fish oil, Often we'll also do hyperbaric oxygen. Cool, avoid cool. things that hurt the brain. Do things that help the brain. You know, all in this sort of bright mind framework. Wow, how exciting is that? That's how players man. are better in two months. Well, you can actually do it much faster than mm-hmm. that. I mean, you know, you can make it worse tonight by yeah. having six beers, uh, you know, you're not going to feel nearly as good tomorrow. You know, you actually can feel better tomorrow if you go to bed earlier tonight yeah. without right. your gadgets. Um, so for I, I have a scan of a mixed martial artist. So I'd been doing my NFL work and I gave a lecture at the cl- clinic in Southern California. And it was for our patients. And one of the patients raised his hand. He said, Dr. Eamon, I love what you do. You're not going to like what I do. (laughs) He said, what's that? He said, well, I'm an MMA fighter. And I'm thinking, well, that's probably not good for your brain. And his brain looked terrible. And I'm like, I know these supplements work, is what I was using with my NFL work. But I don't know how fast they work. Mm -hmm. So we scanned him Tuesday. I gave the lecture Tuesday night. I said, why don't you come tomorrow morning and I'm going to give you these scan, these supplements and then we're going to scan you two hours later. Mm-hmm. His brain was so much healthier, so much better. So quickly your brain can respond, but it's not like you do it one thing, one time. You have to develop practices. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have seven secrets. It's basically seven decisions. Decision one, number one is know your brain type. Everybody's type's different. Mm-hmm. Some people are balanced. Some people are spontaneous. That's my ADD group. Some people are persistent. my OCD group. Some people are sensitive, my depressed group. Some people are anxious. So know where you fit because then you can get help for where you are. The balanced people, for example, they just need to do brain healthy things. Spontaneous people, we need to stimulate your brain can do it with certain supplements like rhodiola or ashwagandha, ginseng. Um, so know your type. The second one is, is this good for my brain or bad for it? It's mm-hmm. basically putting that Bright Minds program in their life. The third thing is nourish your brain. A huge fan of regular supplements, multiple vitamin, fish oil, Brain Boost, optimize your vitamin D. I mean, you probably check vitamin D on
0: everybody.
1: Almost on everybody, it's low. Yeah, Um, And in Illinois, you just can't get more sun every day, right? So a supplement can be helpful. um, Four is nutrition. And basically, it's answering this one question. Do I love food? that loves me back. People go, oh, but I love pizza, or I love pasta, or I love ice cream. But it doesn't love you back. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a bad relationship, but I've been in bad relationships, and I'm not doing it anymore, right? (laughs) I'm 66 years old, forget it. I'm only going to love people who love me back. And I'm damn sure not going to be in a bad relationship With food. And Drew Carey, the famous comedian who lost a whole bunch of weight and kept it off, he said, Eating crappy food isn't a reward. Yeah. It's a punishment. Exactly. Yes. Because when I heard that, I'm like, he gets it. He's a brain warrior, you know, he's someone who's going to stay healthy. Decision number five is don't believe every stupid thing you think. Thoughts come from all over the place. Whenever you feel sad, mad, nervous, or out of control, write it down and question it. Six, I love. It's notice what you like about other people more than what you don't.
0: Yeah, that's important.
1: We shape the behaviors of others. And seven, it's the question, does it fit? So I have all of my patients do an exercise called the One Page Miracle. On one page, write down what you want. Relationships, work, money, physical, emotional, spiritual health, what do you want? And then ask yourself every day, does my behavior get me what I want? It's so powerful.
0: That is powerful.
1: Why it's called the One Page Miracle. And the simple question is, does it fit? It's not what I should do because then I don't want to do it. It's, well, what do you want? So as a family medicine resident, I'd be asking your people, before you give them a prescription, tell me your goal. And let's talk about how to get there. Mm -hmm. And then I want you to just ask yourself every day, does my behavior fit what I want? Because both you and I know pre-diabetes. So diabetes or pre-diabetes affects 50% of the population. This is one of the most horrifying statistics in medicine. But the study came from JAMA that 14% of us are diabetic, 36% of us are pre-diabetic. And every bad thing happens if you have chronically high blood sugar from losing... Your eyesight to losing a limb to having heart disease to having depression and dementia, and so it's well. But doc, I love donuts, but they're beating you up.
0: Yeah, they don't. It run
1: me back. <laughs> doesn't fit. It's you're in an abusive relationship with sugar, which is so many of our patients, right? Oh, they, yeah, yeah. That's very true.
0: So I have a question about the cannabis study. Now, was it done mainly on smokers or was it also done on people who were
1: eating edibles? It was both. Okay. So anybody that we diagnosed as using cannabis Mm -hmm. uh, got entered into the study.
0: Okay, and is there any difference? Like, Because uh, I could see how anybody who smokes anything, they're gonna have less blood flow to the brain and it's gonna affect it versus doing an edible. Have there been any differences?
1: Have you guys studied that? You know, we haven't looked at that specifically, but I published another study. I think it's the world's largest brain imaging study mm-hmm. on 62,454 scans on how the brain ages. Mm-hmm. and uh, it went from nine months to 104, and little kids have really busy brains and old people, not so much, sort of like our skin. And then we looked at what accelerated aging, and the worst was schizophrenia, Okay. 10 years. Their brains looked 10 years older than they were, but the second worst was marijuana worse than smoking, worse than alcohol. Wow. And it surprised us, but it was what the data showed us.
0: That is so interesting. Next, I wanna talk about the brain on love. You've scanned couples all the time. What are some cool things you discovered in scanning the brains of loved ones?
1: Well, you know, I got divorced in 2000 and I told myself if I ever was gonna get married again, The first naked part of her I wanted to see was her brain. (laughs) And so I met Tana January 1st, 2006, and I really liked her. She's beautiful. She's smart. um, But she grew up in craziness. Uh, Her ACE score, you know, the Adverse Childhood Experience test, was an 8. And so... um, I'm scanning her. So after a couple of weeks, I'm like, hey, you haven't seen the clinic. Do you want to see the clinic? And she's a nurse, a nurse, so you nurse. So she loved my work and came to the clinic. And it was good enough. And so we were married a couple of years later. If you date one of my children, I have four children, I'm for gonna more say- than four months, I'm scanning you. That is awesome. And if you don't want to be scanned, you just need to leave because I'm not supporting and it doesn't mean your brain has to be perfect. It just means if it's not, you have to be willing to work on it. Because uh-huh. brain health is a core value for us. Um, I've scanned I know, thousands of couples. And I did a study once. I called it affectionately the couples from hell study. These are people who failed marital therapy who still wanted to be together and one or both people 85% one or both of the couples had trouble that could be treated you know whenever you see someone when I where I went to medical school they said never think of people as their diagnoses always think about them in four big circles what's the biology what's the psychology What's the social circle, how they get along with others? And what's the spiritual circle, ultimately why they care? But so many people go to marital therapy and they work psychologically and socially. But what if they have ADD? Mm -hmm. Or what if they've had a head injury? Or what if you're living in a mold-filled house and you're trying to get your relationship better? I have a great case of uh, Dave. And uh, Betty, who they failed, marital therapists, after three years, $20,000, the therapist said, get divorced. Well, they didn't want to be divorced. And so she said, well, I know a doctor that takes care of really difficult people, so you should go see him. So she sent him to me and her brain was healthy. His brain looked like he was a drug addict, it was so bad, but he never did drugs, at least what he said. And he didn't drink. And so it's like, well, why does his brain look so bad? He was finishing furniture and oh, furniture. Plan. Wow. And he was being exposed to organic solvents, which what do organic solvents dissolve? Fat. What is the brain? Fat. And in that moment when they saw his scan. He went from being an asshole, somebody that everybody was telling her to divorce, to in his, makes me cry, in his attempt to be a good husband, he was being poisoned. So just see how the images changes the conversation. So I took him out of work, put him on a rehabilitation program. And as his brain got better, their marriage got better so
0: how can couples help improve one another's brain health is that possible
1: well you become warriors together um you know and often what happens um i did something with pastor rick warren and mark hyman called the daniel plan and it was a program to get the world healthy through churches and 10 years ago We launched it, actually, January fifteenth, two 2011, and it was based on these five principles, faith, why do you care, food, fitness, so the biological circle, Um, community, friends, we get better or sick together, and focus, which was all about brain health and mental health. Um, the first week, 15,000 people signed up. The first year, they lost a quarter of a million pounds. And oh, they no. lost a lot of anxiety, depression, diabetes, and medication. I mean, it was really it was a stunning success. But when someone did the Daniel Plan with their partner, they mm-hmm. doubled their success. I believe it. And I was at church one day, and this woman came up to me, and she's like, I'm so grateful, I've lost 35 pounds. And I'm like, that's awesome. She said, no, that's not the point. When I first started it, my husband made fun of me. He belittled me and he wouldn't do it with me. And you said, lead by example, Mm -hmm. don't shame the people who don't get on board. But I told him, she said, I just couldn't help this one moment saying, I'm going to be happy and healthy long after you're dead. <laughs> oh. And then she let it go. But as she got trimmer and a heck of a lot cuter, he wanted what she had.
0: Yeah. And ended
1: up dropping 75 pounds, didn't need to take medicine for his type 2 diabetes anymore. Ah. And they were now supporting each other doing it together and i'm just so excited for that couple and for the thousands of other people that got benefit from that program
0: uh, and you see the synergy. I mean, couples that try to quit smoking together, couples that exercise together, you do see that they're actually, they hold each other accountable. And, you know, sometimes the outcomes are much better when, when you have a good partner being able to join teams with you.
1: Well, you become like the people you hang out with. People are contagious. And that's why if you're dating someone with bad habits, they're not likely to get better once you marry them. Mm -hmm. You want to have people that have similar values. And too often, you know, it's the cocaine part of the relationship. It's like, oh, she's so cute. Or, oh, I feel so good when I'm around her. But I wrote a book once called The Brain in Love. I used to be a columnist for Men's Health magazine. And there's a chapter in it on how to use your head before you give your heart away. That's interesting.
0: Now, have you scanned the brains of those who might have antisocial traits like mass shooters or like convicted felons? Like, what what do you find in those type of brains?
1: So I have about 1,000 convicted felons, over 100 murderers, and a couple of mass shooters. They're terrible brains. I actually published this in the Journal of Neuropsychiatry and Clinical Neurosciences. Um, Now, all murderers do not have the same brain. There are impulsive murderers, compulsive murderers, random murderers, Um, but Kip Kinkle, for example, who murdered his mom and dad in Springfield, Oregon in April 1998, then went to his high school and shot 25 people. He has one of the worst brains I've ever seen for someone who is 15 years old. I think he had anoxia or an infection at some point in the past, and that's how he could do that clearly inhuman thing. There are other studies that show people with antisocial personality disorder have low frontal lobe function. They also have slower heart rates and lower sweat gland activity. Um, They're clearly different. And it's why lie detectors aren't admitted into court. Lie detectors work, right? For probably somebody like you and me, Um, if we tell a lie, it makes us anxious, and the machine goes. If they tell a lie, it doesn't make them anxious. And their bodies don't react, which is why they don't admit lie detectors in court anymore.
0: Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Can you tell us a story about Andrew? This was a very life-changing story when I heard it.
1: Well, this is going to make me cry. But, uh, you know, I've taken a whole bunch of grief in my life for doing what I do. Mm-hmm. And it used to really bother me. Um, so we started imaging in 1991. 1993 at the American Psychiatric Association. I taught an all-day course on brain-spec cool. imaging and child psychiatry. But it was at that meeting, people were like, it doesn't match the DSM, you shouldn't be doing it, it's not our tradition. And it upset me. Uh, I kept doing it because I was clearly a much better doctor. Yeah. Um, but, but I was in pretty intense um, emotional turmoil over it because I was being ostracized by my profession that I loved. And I I was sort of dealing with a broken heart. And then April 1995, I got a call from my sister-in-law, Sherry, who told me my nine-year-old nephew, Andrew, who's also my godson, so we have a very close relationship, had attacked a little girl on the baseball field that day for no particular reason. And I'm horrified. And she said, Danny, I went into his room today and I found two pictures. One of them, he's hanging from a tree in a suicide attempt. The other picture, he's shooting other children. Oh, no. Andrew's Columbine. Yeah, Parkland, Florida, or Sandy Hook waiting to happen. And she said, I don't know what to do. And I said, I want you to bring them to see me tomorrow. They lived in Southern California at the time I was in Northern California. So they drove them eight hours to see me. And as I sat with him, I'm like, buddy, what's going on? And he said, Uncle Danny, I don't know. I'm mad all the time. I said, is anybody hurting you? He said, no. Mm-hmm. Is anybody teasing you? He said, no. He said, is anybody touching you in places they shouldn't be touching you? He said, no. Looking for you know psychosocial stressors to mm-hmm. the behavior, 999 psychiatrists out of 1,000 would have medicated him yeah. and put him mm-hmm. into psychotherapy. And my first thought, because I've already been scanning for four years, is he had a left temporal lobe problem, because left temporal lobe problems have been associated with violence. And I went with him to the imaging center and held his hand while he held his teddy bear. (laughs) And when the scan came up on the computer screen, he was missing his left temporal lobe. I'd actually never seen it. I've seen it 60 times since then. He turned out he had a cyst the size of a golf ball. He had a subarachnoid cyst the size of a golf ball occupying the space of his left temporal lobe. I called his pediatrician in Southern California. I find someone to drain that, please. He talked to three neurologists. All of them said they wouldn't operate on him, that it probably had nothing to do with his symptom. It was an incidental finding. And I knew that was complete crap. Yeah, and okay. so I called UCLA and talked to the neurosurgeon, Jorge Lazera, who most people know because he's the neurosurgeon that separated the Guatemalan twins were connected at their head. And he said, Dr. Amen, when cysts are symptomatic, we drain them. And after surgery, I got two calls, one from his mother, who said when Andrew woke up from surgery, said the surgery went really well. And when he woke up, he smiled at me. He hadn't smiled in a year. The next call I got was from Dr. Lazarev who said, oh my God, Dr. Raymond, That cyst was so aggressive, much more aggressive than we could see on MRI. In fact, when they popped it, it exploded. was so aggressive that actually thinned the bone over his left temporal lobe. Wow, his temporal wow. bone, which is actually pretty sturdy, was eggshell thin. They said if he would have been hit in the head with a basketball, it would have killed him instantly. Either way, he would have been dead in six months. That was the moment. I didn't care if you liked me anymore. Yeah. That was the moment that the war started for me. If you don't look, you don't know. Yeah. Why are we lying to ourselves as a profession? What's the matter with us that we remain the only medical specialty that virtually never looks at the organ it treats? And so kids like Andrew get missed. They get labeled as antisocial. They get labeled as personality disorders, as conduct disorders when the physical functioning of their brain is not optimal. It's unfair. And in the future, we're gonna look back on this time in psychiatry and really see it as barbaric.
0: Man, you're right, 999 out of a thousand doctors in general would like think of treating this with some type of medication if they're just looking at it face value Man, it's, it would be so low on the differential list, uh, like to have a cyst in that area. Like, I, I feel like that's, unless you imaged it, it would be really, really hard to even think of that as a differential, you know? So, and even many
1: doctors now, they see the cyst and they're like, it's an incidental i find it. Yeah. Even though there's a clear literature, an arachnoid cysts in the temporal lobes going wow. with behavior problems. Oh, man. Yeah, that, it's yeah. it's horrifying. Yeah. Um, to me how most psychiatrists and most primary care doctors really do not connect the brain to behavior
0: yeah that's that's huge now when you're doing spect imaging are you having the patients do something specific ever like do you have them think about something or like how does that work what are they usually doing when you're scanning them
1: so we do it twice once at rest where we just let their mind wander and then we have them do a uh, continuous performance test, a 15 minute test of attention, because like a stress test, we want to go. So what happens to your brain when you try to use it, but you have to have a baseline to compare it to.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's cool. You call it a a stress test. Uh, That's, that's really interesting. Um, Wow. Do you offer training in this for physicians like to use spec
1: scans? We do. We, um, have our at amen university uh-huh. we have our brain health certification coaching course and part of that is a 24-hour course on how to do and read spec scans the way we do at Amon clinics oh that's really cool
0: i'll make sure i will reach out to you about that and we'll, we'll share that with our audience as well because we have a lot of physicians who are probably going to be very interested in this you know what's funny is like after i uh read your book And uh, I started thinking about automatic negative thoughts. So I started watching my thoughts and I realized I have a lot of automatic negative thoughts, uh, but my ability to actually see that I'm having them allows me to kind of disempower those thoughts. And I've been using this with my patients, uh, especially since I read your book, uh, The Automatic Negative Thoughts. So I wanna go a little bit deeper into that. Can you tell us more about them and uh, just certain things people can do to
1: help themselves with ants? Well, they should collect anteaters because it just reminds you, you don't have to believe every stupid thing you think. Whenever you have a thought, your brain releases chemicals. Whenever you have an angry thought, a hopeless thought, a helpless thought, a critical thought, your brain releases chemicals that make you feel that. And it happens immediately. Your hands get colder. They start to sweat your muscles get tense, your breathing becomes more erratic and it happens immediately. Mm -hmm. The opposite is true. Whenever you have a happy thought, a hopeful thought, a loving thought, a grateful thought, an appreciation thought, a kind thought, your brain releases a completely different set of chemicals Mm -hmm. that warm your hands, dry your hands, relax your muscles, cause your breathing to be healthier. And um, thoughts are automatic. They come from all sorts of places. Many of them are written in your genes. Uh, that, you know, when trauma happened to your great grandfather, that got written in your genetic code. Now, when good things happen, that gets written into your genetic code as well. And thoughts come from, What your parents said to you, what your siblings said to you, what your classmates, the ones who liked you and the ones who didn't like you said Mm
0: -hmm, to mm -hmm. you.
1: It comes from the news. It comes from music. Thoughts come from all sorts of places and they lie. They lie a lot just because you have a thought has nothing to do with whether or not it's true. And um, we have different kinds of ant species. Uh, Like in the book, we talked about the all or nothing ants, where things are all good or all bad. The just the bad ants, where you focus on what's wrong, not what's right. Uh, The less than ants, the guilt-beating ants, the fortune-telling, mind-reading, blaming ants. And so the exercise is super simple. But you have to do it 100 times whenever you feel sad or mad or nervous or out of control, write down what you're thinking. Yeah, And then ask yourself, is it true? You know, I don't know if you've ever had Byron Katie on, but she'd be a great interview Uh for you. She wrote this just amazing book, Loving What Is. And it's just, she's got this simple ant killing technique. Now she didn't call it that until we became friends many years (laughs) later. But basically, write down the thought, all my colleagues hate me, and then five questions. Is it true? No. I've had 10,000 colleagues refer patients to me, so it's not true. Is it absolutely true? If one is no, two is automatically no. Three is, how do I feel when I have the thought, all my colleagues hate me? I feel lonely yeah, and I feel sad and I feel angry and I feel like I'm living in a time warp. Four, question four is who would you be or how would you feel if you didn't have the thought? Well, I'd feel happy and driven and motivated. So thoughts drive feelings. Mm-hmm. Feelings drive behaviors and behaviors drive outcomes. You want to be successful, you have to get your thoughts right. Amen. And what I love is question number five is take the original thought, all my colleagues hate me, and turn it to the opposite. Now, not the narcissistic opposite. All my colleagues love me. No, that'll never be true. But not all of my colleagues hate me. And I'm like, well, it's totally true. And when you do those five questions, the negative thoughts dissipate. Mm -hmm. But when you don't challenge them, they expand. Oh yeah. So writing them down and questioning them helps to kill them, provides protein for the anteaters. (laughs) And letting them run around in your head provides the gasoline for anxiety and depression.
0: Those are such simple exercises too. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody's gonna find that useful. I wanted to ask you about psychedelics. Have you guys done any scans on psychedelics? Have you seen any benefit?
1: Uh, Not yet because they're illegal. Um, and Everywhere they're illegal. In Oregon in two years, they'll be legal. Uh Um, I'm curious about it, but I'm also worried Uh because everybody was super excited About opiates when they first came out. And they went, Well, we have opiate receptors in the brain. But that didn't work out well. Oh, boy. Everybody was super excited about benzos and went, We have benzo receptors in the brain. And that clearly didn't work out
0: well. Oh, man.
1: And endocannabinoids. Well, we have endocannabinoid receptors all throughout our brain and our body. I'm not a fan still. Uh, I mean, I'm a fan if you have cancer and you're not eating. Marijuana can be so helpful Mm -hmm. Um, or you have a resistant seizure disorder. It can be really helpful. Right? So I think of myself as a rational person, Mm -hmm. psychedelics. Um, a lot of the big thinkers had a relationship with psilocybin like Steve jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious about it. We'll see.
0: Yeah, yeah yeah that makes sense now how about meditation have you guys done scans on people who meditate have you seen benefits
1: so I published three studies mm-hmm. on a Kundalini yoga form of meditation actually a singing meditation okay. uh significant benefit activates your frontal lobes calms down your emotional brain it's basically 12 minutes of saw tan So it's two minutes out loud, two minutes whispering, four minutes silently to yourself, two minutes whispering, two minutes out loud. You're done. Twelve minutes. Yeah. Significant balancing of your brain. Wow.
0: Okay, that's incredible. You published, I think, two studies on like twenty one thousand people that showed you that you could separate those with PTSD and those with traumatic brain injuries, right? So, what were the most important things you learned with that?
1: Yeah, that was a big deal. Yeah, that was um, huge, man. Because the treatments are opposite. Exactly. One, your brain is fired up, emotional trauma. Um, the other, your brain is damaged. And you don't wanna do the same thing. One treatment, you wanna calm their brain. The other, you wanna stimulate it. And so what we found with emotional trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder, the limbic structures, thalamus, basal ganglia, anterior cingulate were hyperactive. So it looks like a diamond pattern in the brain Mm -hmm. where traumatic brain injury almost all the findings are decreases.
0: where can our audience find you what are some cool things that you're doing right now
1: um then go to amonclinics.com. um we just opened our ninth clinic in dallas it's doing amazing i have a clinic near you uh north of chicago really um we're just as busy as we can be and that's a lot of fun um your brain is always listening it's out. I was on Dr. Phil 13 times this season. It's so much fun for me to have really the most influential mental health practitioner in the world, Dr. Phil, really understand my work and send me a lot of the people who end up on the show. So that's been super fun. And we continue to do research and publish. Uh, and uh, help change the world. Man,
0: that's so cool. We had our audience submit questions. One of the ones people asked was about Justin Bieber. Did you treat his brain?
1: I'm in his docu-series, Seasons. So I've been Justin's doctor for about seven years. And he said something very profound to me. He said, cause you know, like a lot of superstars, well actually like a lot of our regular patients, sometimes they do what we ask them to do. And a lot of times they don't. And it's sort of irritating. Yeah. And, and he was very much like that until one day he came into my office and he said, my brain is an organ. Like my heart is an organ. If you told me I had heart problems, I would do everything you said, yeah. I'm going to start doing everything you say. And then he got better. <sighs> and He's the best now that he's ever been.
0: Ever been, wow.
1: In his whole life. Uh, And part of that is because he married Haley. Uh, That's what I hear. Is just psychologically sophisticated and she's not only beautiful, but she's smart and she's loving. And you know, it's like who you marry matters. (laughs) Probably the most important decision we'll make. Well, Dr. Amen, man, thank you so
0: much for having us on. And again, your brain is always listening. is now out in stores. I highly recommend this and all the books that you've published. Honestly, they're they're jewels of wisdom. So I really appreciate you you putting these out there and you know you sharing the knowledge with everybody.
1: Well, thank you so much for helping me spread the message. You know, you're in a war for the health of your brain. In the new book, there's a whole section on scheming dragons, which is basically how society is stealing your mind. And so I'm uh, recruiting brain warriors uh, to help us be armed, prepared, and aware to win the fight of our lives.
0: You know, I'm gonna get my brain scanned by you. That would be something awesome. I think uh, I'm just so interested in knowing where my brain would
1: be at, you know? Well, you know, I'm doing a series of influencer videos. Uh So if you're willing to let us film it, I would love to do that.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: Um, that's how I met Annalyn McCord. She came in and we filmed the whole thing. I did it also with Jenny Garth and I'm going to do it with Lewis Howe's coming up. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, it's just a way to destigmatize. I I try, keep trying to figure out how to make brain health cool. Yeah, Because, yeah. you know, mental illness, yeah. let's, let's get rid of that term. and I Let's just know. call it brain health issues. And so if you can help me think about how to make brain health go viral, Dude, that's wow. that's just cool. Um, I did Logan Paul and his video got millions of views. Oh, that's uh, awesome. He goes, I want to know why I'm an asshole. I was mean, just so funny. <laughs> and then we just did Jeff Whittack. Uh, who's a young YouTuber that's got millions of followers had a bad brain injury Wow! Uh, you know that's how we're going to change it by people going oh yeah this is cool I want to do it that's
0: what it's all about you know that's kind of how Medspiration started gaining a lot of traction the goal is medical science is freaking awesome you know and like how can we translate how cool medical science is to the general population and make it something that's you know, digestible and also inspiring. You know, so I, I really, I really can relate with what you're saying, and I, I think that's the the best way to do it. And you know, I really want to end it on this. Um, I'm really grateful because I, I sit on the shoulders of giants, people like you who've been in the game for 40 years, 50 years. You put in so much work, and for me, I can just read about you. I can learn about the things that you've learned, and it's. I can apply those things like right away into my life and my practice as a physician, you know, so I I can't tell you how grateful I am for all the work that you're doing Uh, and seeing the impact that you've made, seeing uh, how you've never gave up and you continue to just keep going. Those are things that, you know, me just early in my career, like I'm going to hold on to those things, you know, and I want to keep that type of spirit alive in me. And it's so cool to see how alive you are. You know, how rejuvenated you are. You almost sound like you're like 20 years old, you know? So that's beautiful, man. Uh, Clearly, there's some secrets there that you've uh, uncovered. So that's so cool.
1: Thank you so much for saying that. When I was at your stage, what I wanted to do was be a really good psychiatrist and then Ah, translate what I was learning to the general population and so we have a lot of similarities
0: oh man that's beautiful dr amon thank you so much for joining us on the medspiration podcast we hope to be in touch and uh, I'll, I'll definitely be communicating with you about brain scanning
1: i like it thank you there
0: you have it folks i hope you guys left this one feeling meds fired if you learned something new or if you genuinely enjoyed this episode please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate it five stars MedSpiration is a 501c3 nonprofit charity organization. The more you help us grow, the more people we're able to help. Let's make a commitment together, guys, and attempt to be the best possible version of ourselves, no matter what life throws at us, mentally, physically, and spiritually. As always, you know what time it is. It's time to get out there and to do something medspiring.